Uh, I don't know if anybody has uh, seen this wall around Birmingham. Uh, I love uh, the quote that is on it, you know, uh, less is more, more or less. Um, it's slightly clever. And uh, we hear all the declutter gurus today, uh, of today, uh, who some of us kind of see the sense of decluttering, some of us really struggle with decluttering. Um, so I thought it'd be helpful to just have a little test, a fun test to start off with, just to see where we're at uh, in our own kind of personal lives. And this is 10 questions, and so you can, if you count on your fingers, fairly most of us have got, still got 10 fingers, then uh, you can uh, count how many yeses you can answer these questions to. So the first question is, um, do you have clothes that no longer fit you? Okay, yes or no, very simple kind of questions. Um, second question is, do you have stuff in your wardrobe that you bought years ago, um, but uh, haven't been worn since? Uh, yes or no, okay. Uh, do you have shoes that hurt your feet? Whoa, that's painful. Uh, shoes that hurt your feet. Do you have a pin board uh, with more than one layer of papers on it? Uh, do you have a, a desk that's piled high with stuff? Okay, yes or no. Do you have uh, gadgets you never use? Uh, do you keep things purely because they were a gift? Okay. <laughs> do you have problem finding things when you need them? Precious things. <clears throat> uh, do you have things in your kitchen or fridge that are past their use-by dates? <laughs> uh, and then the tenth one is, do you keep things in case one day they might come in handy? So I score at least nine on this, okay, possibly more. So I disqualify myself automatically from even giving a talk on simplicity. But anybody else up in the nines and tens? Anybody high? Uh, any, anybody above five? Okay. Anybody below five? Whoa. Anybody down at one or zero? No, oh, this is zero. You, you clearly weren't listening, Rachel. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. Anyway, so um, today we're looking at uh, simplicity. I love uh, this card. Um, how is it I detest every article of clothing I own, but when I go to throw something away, I develop this sentimental relationship with it. <laughs> However, I also want to balance it with the, the kind of not judging one another. This is Einstein's question. If a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, then what is an empty desk a sign of? Thank you, Albert. You have saved my bacon. <laughs> Um, and uh, then at the same time, I take the challenge of this quote, don't own so much clutter that you'll be relieved to see your house go up in flames. <laughs> uh, with the motivation that less stuff means less to clean, less to organize, less to store, and less mess. Or perhaps uh, an even better motivation is making room for bigger dreams uh, in our lives. But in all of it, and uh, as we've heard already, it is about not being too hard on ourselves. And uh, somebody's came up with this quote, which I like. As you focus on simplifying your life, make sure you approach the process in a loving and accepting way. It's a, a loving and accepting one. This is not about being harsh upon ourselves. Simplicity is about freedom in our lives. It's not about legalism. And so that's the kind of the fundamental ground rule as we come to this kind of subject. But simplicity at its heart, I think, is about living freely and lightly. It's about being true to ourselves, and it's also about being true to others, those around us. That we are simply children of God who are loved by him, who are accepted, who are called, and who are kept uh, in his safety. And we might think of simplicity as opposed to duplicity, um, which is a, a related word. And uh, this is some artwork by a guy called Mathieu um, Barul, I think is how you say his name. 
Um, and duplicity is about when we are deceitful. It is when we talk about being two-faced. We have two faces. There's, a, there's two sides to us. There's the double person. There's the contradictions of our lives. We say this thing, but actually we do that thing. Or we say this to one person, but actually we say this to someone else. We're contradictory. And I think one aspect of simplicity is the opposite of that. It is it's about not being deceitful. Um, it is about what you see is what you get. This is who I am. Uh, in a simple way. It's about integrity. The stuff on the outside of my life is a reflection of the stuff on the inside of my life. Consistency uh, in every kind of aspect. How you see me here is how you will see me uh, there. It's freedom from duplicity. And uh, much of the Sermon on the Mount is about this. You remember when Jesus says in Matthew 5, he says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Be very simple in how you live and in how you speak. And that there's, a, there's no duplicity about us, but there is a simplicity of who we are. Matthew chapter 6, he goes on and he says, don't be like the hypocrites, you know, who the showy, um, shows of flamboyance out here don't reflect the reality that is within, because that is like duplicity. And so simplicity is the opposite of that. And I actually think there'll be some people today who are struggling with this. There are things in your life where you are living a secret life. You're living a hidden life. There are, there are conversations you've not had with people, um, people around you. Um, sometimes it's uh, our, our friends. It's our, it can be our parents because those closest to us. Um, and actually, the things in our life that actually make us a little bit hot under the collar because there is a part of our lives that we've hidden from others. And ultimately, it will wreck your life. It, ultimately, it will tear you apart because the two will pull in different directions. And you may be feeling stressed by it. It may even be aspects of your life that are slightly out of control within it. But that is duplicity. And your next step is to come towards simplicity and to find the freedom of that. And that usually starts by beginning to be true to ourselves, beginning to speak about it, beginning to, to talk about it, confide in someone so that we can then begin to find the freedom uh, in our lives. Um, and um, there's, a, there's a line in a novel um, that goes like this. It says, The simplicity and openness of their lives, as they observed someone else's life, brought out for him the duplicity that lay at the bottom of ours. And simplicity is about being honest. It is about being open. It's not about playing games in our relationships. Uh, it is actually, although it's quite an easy thing and a freeing thing, there are challenges to it. And one of our core values as a church um, is crucial in all of this. And it's the, the environment that we create and so that people can be themselves, that people can be the real them. And we talk about love, we talk about accept, acceptance, we talk about forgiveness. Uh, and it's that that enables people to be honest, whether it's with our friends, whether it's in our families, uh, whether it's in a community. And I want to just reiterate the quote from Love, Acceptance and Forgiveness that uh, we often read and just remind ourselves of these words of Jerry Cook, where he says this, he says, love is commitment. And it operates independent of what we feel or do not feel. And we need to extend this love to everyone who comes into our church. I want you to know that I'm committed to you. You'll never knowingly suffer at my hands. I'll never say or do anything knowingly to hurt you. I'll always in every circumstance seek to help you and support you. And if you're down and I can, help, I can lift you up, I'll do that. Anything I have that you need, I'll share with you. And if need be, I'll give it to you. No matter what I find out about you, and no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to respond, I love you, and that's what it means. And a church that can make that commitment to every person is a church that's learning to love and a church that will be a force for God.
And so it's that environment that we want to create so that in our families and in our friendship groups and in our life groups and in our uh, wherever it might be that we can live in the simplicity of being true to who we are rather than the duplicity that can often come. It is a crucial quality um, in our lives. Another helpful um, differentiation um, as we grapple with this discipline, I think is the difference between asceticism and simplicity. So asceticism is that kind of, I'm going to make myself very poor deliberately. Okay? Is, it, is it about that? And what are the differences? But as we read the Bible, we discover that poverty is not a good thing. Okay? Poverty is an evil in our world. The Bible does not condone an extreme asceticism. And the Bible clearly uh, and consistently says that creation is good, that we're to enjoy our world. You know, there are things in our world that are to be uh, celebrated and enjoyed. Um, And asceticism makes an unbiblical distinctive that says stuff is evil and the spiritual is good. Where actually simplicity says both of these, we can celebrate both of these. Um, Asceticism finds salvation in paying as little attention as possible to the physical realm. And so asceticism and simplicity are actually different things, quite, quite different things. They might seem superficially similar at times, but actually they are very, very different. So asceticism would renounce possessions. I won't have anything to do with any kind of possession. Simplicity puts possessions in the proper perspective. Asceticism finds no place for a place for a land flowing with milk and honey. But uh, simplicity will rejoice in the gracious provision of God's hand uh, in our lives. Asceticism finds contentment only when there's poverty, whereas simplicity knows contentment in poverty and in riches. And uh, as we read Paul's words in Philippians 4, he says, I'm content in every situation, whether uh, I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And the core issue is not, do, do I have things, but is, do things have me? Okay? Am I owned by them, or do I own those? And uh, there, there's a kind of big, big difference there. I think there's another aspect to simplicity, which we've kind of reflected on a little bit, and that is, it's making sure that the inward reality of it um, works out in our outward uh, living. Um, because if it's just the outward stuff, and there's no inward reality, then we just become very uh, legalistic in how we live. Okay, I won't do this. I have a whole list of do's and don'ts that I won't do. But actually, it doesn't come out of a place that is real uh, in here. And there's that lack of it. Now, I think sometimes you do a discipline of going without something, and it exposes the problem in our hearts. It exposes actually, you know, like when you're trying to get rid of that, that, that jumper that you really don't need or give it away, and you find this emotional attachment coming to it, it exposes something in us. Um, and so that probably is helpful um, in it. But um, it's fundamentally, it's about making sure that it's right in the heart before it's that. Because once we get this simplicity thing right, it will really, really free us uh, outwardly. You know, our speech will become honest and truthful in every situation. You know, our lust for status and position will disappear. Um, you know, we drop the showy extravagance or the pretending to be something, not because uh, we can't do it, but on principle, we realize it's, it's not the right way to live. You know, our goods become available to other people. We're very quick to share and to, to lend and to give uh, where necessary. 
Um, and uh, we begin to identify with the, the Arctic explorer. He'd spent six months or more up in the, the Arctic and wrote in his journal, I'm learning that a man can live profoundly without masses of things. Um, when researchers um, look at happiness in our world, um, they've actually come up with an equation. You can look it up. It's very complicated. It's nearly as complicated as the one Andy used in the first service, but we won't go there. Okay, there's an equation on happiness. And... Um, they discovered that it has far less to do with our circumstances um, and has more to do with our expectations. I love this picture. It just kind of captures something of kind of this, the, the simple things of life. Uh, no roof over your head, but still enjoying life. And um, as people who are far worse off are generally a lot happier in life. And the reason is that they have far lower expectations. So the little things they get, even like what we saw at the beginning with the video, there's a wow factor. There's, a, there's an appreciation of it. Whereas so often the people who seem to be better off are often living in an environment where everyone around them seems to have more. So their expectation is higher and therefore they are far less happier in the world. But when we strip away the inessential elements of, of our lives and we focus on what really matters, it is a lot easier to feel content in life. So in life, I think there are three things. There are haves, there are needs, and there are wants. And uh, if you want to think about your life at any point, here's two questions that you can start to analyze the whole of your life with. The first one is, do we have what we need? Okay, yes or no, and uh, you know, it's a good question to answer. There's not right or wrong. Do you have what you need? And then the second question is equally, is do we need what we want? And again, there may be yeses there. There may be noes there. But what happens is when we start to ask those questions is we then begin to determine the values of what we live with rather than those around us. Um, do we have what we need? Do we need what we want? Because we live in a culture that will tell us what we need, and a culture that tells us what we want. And therefore, our, because our expectations are there, we find a lack of contentment in our life. But when we start to define them ourselves, that is when we begin to find the freedom and the added benefit as we focus on the things and the people that really do matter. Uh, Richard Foster uh, writes this. He says, because many in our world and culture lack that divine center, our need for security has led us into an insane attachment to things. Society today has a lust for affluence that is described as psychotic in the sense that it's lost touch with reality. Many crave things they neither need nor enjoy, and many buy things they don't really want to impress people they don't really like. <clears throat> there is a, a best-selling book by Oliver James called Affluenza, and he literally toured the minds of the middle classes right around the world and researched what this current epidemic of affluenza uh, throughout the world looked like. This obsessive, envious, keeping up with the Joneses that has resulted in huge increase in depression and anxiety among millions of people across all the major cities uh, of the world. Um, Richard Foster again, he says, we're made to feel ashamed to wear clothes or shoes or even drive cars until they're worn out. Um, you know, we have to have the new. The media has convinced us that to be out of step with fashion is to be out of step with reality. And I don't think that decries creativity and style and design and color. That is to be celebrated in a world. But until we see how unbalanced our culture has become, we won't be able to see the power of the materialistic spirit that is in work within our hearts. So even in our culture, you know, it's always the rags to riches story that's celebrated. 
You know, that's, that's the great story. There's not a, a, rag, a riches to rags story, I don't think. If it is, then it's, it's seen as, oh, how unfortunate. Or it's seen as, oh, they got their just desserts, didn't they? Okay, it's not celebrated in that way because affluence has become so addictive uh, in our culture. And so let's not be those that let the world dictate our values, but actually be those that come to them ourselves because we ask these kind of questions. Because that will determine much of our happiness in life. I want to have a quick look at priorities and uh, the things that really matter most to us in our lives. Because I think a key aspect of simplicity is to somehow clarify our priorities. And uh, yours will be, will be different to mine and uh, the person next to you. But Paul writes this in Ephesians 5. He says, uh, verse 15, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so Paul's advice here is kind of threefold. First of all, he says in verse 15, effectively analyze your lifestyle. You know, bring some wisdom into how you live your life. Reflect on it. Think about it. Ask these questions. Secondly, in verse 16, he says, use the present. Make the most of the present. Make the most of the opportunities that are around us now. The people, the time, the, the, whatever you do in your, in, your, uh, in your week, in your job, in your community, whatever that might be. And then thirdly, he says this, he says, prioritize what's important. And what is the Lord's will? Understand what God's priorities are for your life. And then uh, again, he, he writes to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 4. And what does he say to Timothy? He gives him his priorities. He says, for Timothy, I want you to preach the word in season and out of season. I want you to always be ready. Secondly, he says, I want you to do the work, in his case, of an evangelist. Discharge all your duties. And thirdly, he says, run the race. You know, despite hardship, keep going, Timothy. And he just gives him three very simple priorities that help Timothy to stay focused and to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Um, to keep things simple, to accept the hardship that might come his way and still enjoy running the race of life, which is what it's all about. And so for ourselves, how can we simplify things? How can we clarify our own priorities? And personally, I think every single person will do this differently. So I just thought I'd come up with a few ideas and you might connect with one of them or none of them or whatever, but it's the questions that are the kind of key part of it. So one approach is the rule of life approach. So Northumbria community, as a kind of like a monastic, contemporary monastic community, they have a rule of life, which is simply two words. Um, I, I love this. It's highly challenging and yet very simply simple. Availability and vulnerability. And uh, so they see themselves as called to be available, available to God and available to others in hospitality um, and to, to show that. And then secondly, to be intentional and deliberately vulnerable in the sense that they want to be teachable. They want to be in accountable relationships about their lives. They want to be vulnerable in the sense that they'll speak out about injustice, even if it means they're going to get some flack for it. Okay? They're vulnerable in the sense that they will live open lives amongst the, the unbelieving community. Okay? They'll be transparent in their lives. And so that's their kind of rule of life or their, their way of living, uh, as it says there. Um, and it's radical, but these two priorities, I'm sure, help them to live their life and bring focus uh, to it in a, in a simple and yet powerful way. Another example, this is uh, from my own life. So this is something I've done myself. I think more pictorially, so these are kind of little uh, kind of squares or circles they could be. 
And the, the first priority is, you know, what, what's me? You know, what's me and God? What's my relationship with God look like? What do I want it to look like? You know, how, how do I prioritize that? What are the character things I want to see grow in my life? And, uh, and prioritize those things uh, kind of first and foremost. Secondly, there's kind of home and family. So, you know, that's a, a kind of next kind of role of, of, of uh, priority. You know, so there's, you know, there's Ruth, there's the kids, there's the home, there's the wider family. What kind of husband do I want to be? What kind of dad do I want to be? What kind of brother do I want to be? You know, and I begin to think through what's my vision for that so that that becomes a priority in my life. Then wider than that, we go kind of our workplace uh, or church life, um, which kind of two are fairly tied up in my life. Um, and uh, what, what does that look like? What's, where do my strengths lie? Where do my gifts lie? And how do, uh, what are my priorities for that? And then kind of fourthly, you know, a sense of call for myself to Birmingham. So what does that mean to bring the gospel out across the city and to the world as well? And that for me has helped me just to begin to focus on what are the priorities. And uh, the order of priority are always from the center outwards. Um, so when it's going haywire in one area and something isn't, then we kind of pull it back into that. A uh, final example I want to give you is uh, something that we I took the staff through a few years ago, which is just simply one word. Okay, you can't get any simpler than this. Simply one word that will change your life. The power of one word. And the idea is the simple discipline of coming up with one word uh, for the next kind of 12 months. Or you can do it for however you want. And uh, it's only one word, okay? Just the one word. Not a phrase, not a statement, a single word word but it can bring incredible change and focus to your life year after year because when you discover your one word for the year it gives you far more clarity and passion and purpose for life um, it brings simplicity it brings focus it can stretch you spiritually uh, physically mentally emotionally financially uh, relationally God will use it as light to illuminate the path ahead. He'll use it as a mirror to reflect attitudes and things in your heart that might need to change. Um, and it can be anything. It can be a discipline. Your word might be simplify. That might be it. That'd be more than enough for you to work on for the next 12 months. It might be uh, a fruit of the Spirit, you know, like love or patience uh, or, you know, something like that. It could be a character trait. That, um, that comes to your, your mind and heart. It could be an attribute of God. It can be anything, okay? But we kind of distill it down to one word. When Jesus was approached by the young ruler, um, Jesus said to him, you still lack one thing. And, uh, you know, he kept it very focused. David in Psalm 27, one thing I will ask of the Lord. You know, one thing, keep it focused. Paul in Philippians 3, one thing I do, um, I press on uh, into this. So three simple steps if you ever want to try this. To look in, to look up, look out. Look in, first of all, just to reflect. Take some time on your own. Just think, what is God saying into my life at the moment? What's, what sort of things does, is God speaking to me about? Um, and let God examine our hearts. The second step is to, to look up, to just ask God. Um, take some time to listen to God and ask him the question, you know, what do you want me to do uh, through this, this coming year? Um, and maybe that will just give you some thoughts and ideas and God will speak to you perhaps in that way. And then once we've decided and distilled it down to one word, okay, not a phrase, one word, then we start to live it out and we start to see how does this apply in different parts of my life. Keep it in front of us. You might want to put it on your fridge. You might want to write it out. You might want to start praying about it. You might want to tell someone about it and get them to ask you about it 
um, keep it fresh uh, in your life. So for example, and I'll just pick some random examples, okay? Endurance, if that was your word, you can very quickly see how that will affect so many different parts of your life. It will affect uh, your time. It will affect your prayer life. It will perhaps affect your exercise regime. It will affect your studies. If you study, it will affect your relationships. And you start to see that it brings uh, an edge to all sorts of things. Another word might be encourage. Um, you know, if that was your words, very clearly you see that's going to affect your relationships. That's going to affect your speech. It's going to affect your workplace. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect what you put on social media because this becomes uh, a kind of uh, forming word uh, in your heart and in your life. So it can be uh, a really helpful focus um, in a way that energizes us, that is God-inspired and simplifies your life. And I know a number of people that have found that very helpful. And if that's something you want to, to kind of try, um, you can download it. There's a PDF on our website. If you go to our website and scroll down at the bottom, the footer, it says Life Group Resources. And if you click on that, and then there's a section that says Activities, and the one-word thing is in there. So if you want to, to access that, you can. So just some different practical ways to prioritize and hence simplify. They are not right and wrong things. They're just ideas for each one of us. So it may simply be, I'm just going to go and pray and write down my priorities. It's very simple. I'm just going to scribble it on a piece of paper. It may be that you develop some sort of rule of life, you know, the available vulnerable thing, something that works for you. It may be you use concentric circles as you kind of look at your ever-widening sphere of influence uh, in life. Or it could just be this one-word discipline, um, which I said you can, you can download to. But contentment and happiness in life comes when we get the right balance of the haves, the needs, and the wants. And we start to define those in our own lives. How, do I have what I need? Do I need what I want? And uh, then simplicity knows contentment in every situation. And simplicity is also defined as freedom from duplicity. It's all about freedom so that we can live life well. Let's, let's pray together. Maybe the bands could come up.